You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Happy Hollow Weekend and welcome back to a ghastly week of Nick's basketball with some haunting games and more bad puns. Even though Halloween hasn't happened yet, but most people celebrate it on the weekend. The Knicks, in tribute to Hollow's Eve, go 0-3. We are here to talk about it. Let's talk Knicks. The New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis. Toast and toes, cupping and stuffing. Again, igniting and exciting the garden crowd. Bop, 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 bop. Hello and welcome back to week two of Talking Knicks with the gang. Happy Halloween to you guys. Let's go around the horn. How's everyone doing? Greg Poon, happy Halloween. How was it, bud? It was a good weekend. I uh, I went to see the Knicks play the Warriors on, on Friday night at Madison Square Garden. Then I spent the weekend in the city. And it's so spooky there. It's a spooky place. How how was how was the tell me something about the game that we wouldn't know, Greg, from being there. Durant good at basketball. Okay. See, I'm not I don't know if that came through on the television. But We're not I got take podcast. Kenny, straighten them so, out. I went with him to the game, and I got something that you guys wouldn't know from um, watching the game on television, and that's that uh, some guy got engaged on the court, which, like, okay, not bad. They were playing a game, and they were, like, supposed to match the things that the the player said on TV or with, like, the boards. I think it's, like, a newlywed game type of thing. Sure. And then the last the last round, like, the – I think it was Cantor and like Porzingis held up signs that said like, will you marry me? And then he got on his knee. They got engaged. Cool stuff. Not the part that I was going to tell you about. The part that I was going to tell you about was like, as that guy was leaving, the guy in front of us like stopped him and took a picture with him for some reason. Just some random guy who just got engaged. Like, let me take a picture with you. And then they did that, which I thought was weird. Well, speaking of engaging with random guys, thank you for that, Kenny. And we'll, our final member of the crew today, Thomas Piccolo. Tom, how you doing, bud? Not sure how I felt about that transition, but uh, hey, man, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing well. I, uh, I, I went to a Halloween party in New Jersey, in Hoboken. It was, a, it was one of these oh, mashup okay. Halloween parties where you kind of dress as two things as long as they flow together. So... Some examples they gave were like Obama Care Bears, right? So, so like I a, went like a what's Wheel of Fortune before and after almost. Is that is that a good reference? Okay, that's great. Yeah. That's a great call, Jake. Okay. Um, and so I I went with an NBA theme, and uh, I was Kawhi Leonard Nimoy, oh, and I will wow. say, not a lot of people got it. It was oh. not all that <laughs> not all that well received, um, because. I found out that like people would either know who Kawhi Leonard was or Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock in the original Star Trek. Not a lot of crossover with the basketball and Star Trek fans. Um, so I was kind of, but I will say people were, were getting half of it 
at a time. So I was sort of bringing two two groups together. One group would say, I know that's Kawhi Leonard. The other would say, that's Leonard Nimoy. And then they would become friends and I would leave. <laughs> wow. And it, people open people. Yeah, I'm trying to think how you could spin Kawhi there. You could go Leonardo DiCaprio, but then what? which of his character do you pick, I guess? But that's tough. I like it, Tom. I mean, to answer the question people are wondering, I did have a, a wig on. I had a Spock wig. I had the ears. And then I had a Kawhi Leonard Spurs jersey because it was on sale at the NBA store in Manhattan. So, uh, you know, that, that rounded out pretty much the whole outfit. I did paint on some eyebrows to look a little bit more like Spock. And uh, it really, really brought the whole outfit together. Yeah, don't, don't try to undersell your, your Spurs, your time writing as a Spurs writer, Tom. You can let the people know. Be proud of it. True, pounding the rock, SB Nation. But now, now I'm writing for the Knicks, writing about the Knicks. So uh, happier to be doing that. Yeah, and Tom, I think we're normally we try to gloat about you because you, you write these delicious articles. I should have used a Halloween pun. You, you write these ghoulish articles. Um, and your Damian Dotson article this week was great. I'm sure we're going to talk about him a lot as he was pretty much the highlight of this week for the Knicks. Just a little, little more about me. Saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show live for the first time this weekend. Have any of you done that? I have not. No. No. That's a, uh, I, I think you got to do it once. <laughs> but yeah, talk, a very unique scene. Um, end of the day, it, I might be a one and done for the next decade or so, but we have enough one and done talk on this show, so I'll, I'll keep it moving. But that's, that's quite an event. Let's, let's jump into the games, boys. Um, I, I, we let off the week at the Bucks, if if you guys give me permission and someone wants to count it, you know you know Daddy'll burn. I think the people want to hear you do your uh, your Dracula count and then just start yourself. <laughs> you think I think Dracula in it? I, I could do that for the Milwaukee game. I think. Well, should I do the whole thing in Dracula voice? That could end up that could end up pretty bad. I I might try it for the last one. The first one I think is good, so I'll, I'll try to go for it. But <laughs> I'll go. Uh, the Knicks at Milwaukee in uh, three, two, one. We've got an Italian Dracula. The Knicks would travel to the Badger State, the Algonquin Goodland, Milwaukee, to face Giannis Antetokounmpo and his fellow male deer teammates. The Bucks went on a 22-9 stretch at the end of the half that looked like the knockout punch, but these baby Knicks have some fight. A 16-point third quarter, by the neighbors know my name, Trey Burke. Alas, the Knicks would show their true colors after being tied at 110 with 342 left in the fourth, allowing the Bucks to finish on a 14-3 run. The Greek Freak and Chris Middleton both break 30 points. Knicks with four players with 14-plus points, but the Knicks lose your final. Bucks 124, Knicks 113. Kenneth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. We have the Milwaukee game to start the week. We're, sure. we're coming off the first week. We we know that it's a couple tough road games on the schedule in Golden State. We're hoping to get one of these games. We're in it in the fourth quarter. What I do you want to talk a breakdown? Do you want to talk about a comeback? Because you could talk about basically the full spectrum of what we've seen from the Knicks this year. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to say. Um, and I think like we talked about this, this is kind of what we want is them to just like play really well and then lose it at the very end, which they've been doing, which is cool. 
this was a, a pretty physical game, and I'm going to start by talking about Frank because I think that's what I always do. And what I noticed in this game uh, more than kind of any of the past ones is with him smart starting alongside um, Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr., he was matched up against uh, Middleton, who's bigger than him, heavier than him, and like stronger than him. So he lost kind of all of the advantages advantages that he has as a defender um, as far as, you know, his length and his uh, ability to kind of stay step back and be bigger than the guy that he's guarding. And because of that, Middleton just kind of bullied him. And that's, I think, the problem. Um, and, you know, you saw it later on in the week, Frank was playing more point guard. But that's the problem with moving him too far off the point guard position is because he's uh, he is developing offensively. He had a good game against Golden State. But his real strength is the defense, and you lose that and all of the advantages that he has when you put him against these bigger players. So I think that was kind of the big takeaway for me. Um, I don't know if you guys want to keep going on that. Otherwise, we can talk about Mario Hazonia all day, every day. Frank was bad. Yeah, okay. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ken. You, you always try to spin it, but, like, <laughs> he got worked. What, what do you want? He got bodied. He got bullied. And that's – Maybe that's Fizz's fault for putting him in that scenario, but that's that's what happened. I'm not trying to spin it. I mean, I think I I admitted that he, that Middleton kind of worked him by saying that Middleton was bigger and just kind of ran him over. But whatever. You, you, you politely admitted that he got worked. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, that's accurate. I got worked. Sorry, everybody. It's all right. Some sometimes you have to address the facts. Tom, outside of Frank getting worked. Um, what what did you see from the Knicks offense, defense that you liked or didn't like? And one thing that's kind of developing into a theme this season is that they really have not been getting to the free throw line much. They, they made them when they got there. They were 13 of 15 from the line, but their free throw attempt rate was just crazy low, much lower than the Bucks. So like the Bucks just got a lot more easier ones. That's just something to watch going forward because it just I, I saw a stat going around that like of the guys who have played as many minutes of Frank as Frank, there are like 70 of them. And no one has fewer free throws, so that's just—he's not—he hasn't been aggressive enough going to the tin. And in this one, he wasn't just getting worked on defense. I think he really struggled on the offensive end. He did end up with a, a five-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, so that's encouraging. But uh, other than that, I, I don't have too much to say about Frank. I mean, there, there were some bright spots, and I think we pro- we probably do want to get to Hazonia, uh, Greg. I know you you like to talk about him, though. I, I could pass it off to you. Yeah, I mean, he was streaky. First half of the game, he was he was balling, balling, balling out, knocking down those shots, hitting open threes. But then it, it just gets to the point where he just was like, all right, I made a bunch of shots earlier. I guess, I guess I could make them again now. And then he just takes the most ridiculous shots, and, and you you wonder what's happening. But so his eight for sixteen doesn't really do it justice because the the makes feel like they should be more than worth more than one make, but the misses should be worth more than one miss. So. Yeah, so it's a lot like um, if Steph Curry was taking the shots that he was taking and then missing. Like Hazonia, when he makes shots, like it, it's cool. And a lot of the shots that he was making early on were good shots. And then he kind of went heat check mode and took a bunch of ridiculous shots. And I think he airballed a wide open three, but that's neither neither here nor there. But it's like like if imagine if Steph Curry took all these crazy shots and he just kept missing them. That's what Hazonia reminds me of. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy the guy because he's very entertaining and we're not really playing for anything this season, but he's got to, he's got to pull himself together. 
Yeah, I, I think what's what's registering in my head when I and I want to start tracking these Hazonia box scores is you boys know I got I got locked into the Michael Beasley show last year, but it almost feels like if Hazonia has a big night for us, I think eighty percent of the time that's going to be a bad thing because that just means he's going to keep pulling. Is is that a fair comparison? Is that unfair? Yeah, I think that that works for me. It, it works to some degree. I think that I mean Beasley was actually just really good last year, like, uh, uh, efficiency wise. He he didn't shoot a ton of threes, but when he did, he made them. And he also was just like he didn't. His shot selection was questionable, but he made them. Yeah, I think, I think Sonia is more often than not going to to miss and miss. And when he misses, like Greg said, it it feels worse than when Beasley did it because um, he misses so badly. And it is it's just his shot selection really is just so so questionable. Which leads me kind of to, to my next question. Speaking of questionable shot selection. And that, that's with Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, so he was 10 of 23 in this game, finish, ended up finishing with 24 points. And I know we don't like to read into individual plus minuses. He was minus 25 in this game, which was just by far the worst on the team. Like um, Next worst was actually his own yet, minus 14. But you had a, a whole bunch of guys in the positives here. Um, uh, is there anything to take away from that minus 25 number from Tim Hardaway Jr.? So, Tom, let me just throw out a next, an extra point to uh, kind of follow up on your point. He also had the worst per game plus minus for the week, which was negative 20 over the course of the three games. So negative 20 per game. Uh, next work was, worst was Enos Cantor at negative 16.7. So it's still a small sample size, but it's a little bit bigger. And the thing is, he's been – playing actually pretty well on the offensive end like this is what you want from him on the offensive end but i think you've done some um you may have mentioned some of either in your articles or to us uh, outside of that that his defense has just been kind of atrocious yeah i think he's another one of those streaky guys when timmy when timmy's hitting shots he just he'll knock down like five in a row and you're like oh yeah i remember last year there was a there was a half when he scored i think he scored 30 and a half and then he didn't get to 40 for the game. So that that's that's what you get from Timmy, you know. He just gets those, those hot bunches where he's balling. But it seems like maybe that's what everybody on this team does now that Porzingis isn't playing. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch how those numbers develop throughout the year. I, I feel like we had a little bit of that last year just because when the bench mob last year was able to do some things, I think it almost skewed those numbers a little more because the Knicks starters – we're just flat out outmatched. I don't know. It, it's definitely something to track. I know Timmy's defense hasn't been special, and like like Greggy touched upon, when the offense is there, it's very much there. When it's not, it's uh, it usually leads to about four or five ugly possessions for the Knickerbockers. I I think that's it for Milwaukee. I think uh, no no no. We got to talk about Trey Burke, man. Yeah, let's let's talk about it, Greg. I, unless I mistallied, I think sixteen point third quarter. That you third go quarter, run on Trey. Trey Burke was going off in that third quarter. He was getting whatever he wanted. So he was just dominating the mid range, like we saw all of last year. This is the the player that we thought he was going to be, or we were hoping he was going to be, even though we knew the the numbers were impossible to sustain. He can sustain them for at least a quarter at a time, which is good. Good to know. And it may not work uh, in the fourth quarter when everyone seems to be uh, trying a little harder and everyone's a little bit bigger. But, you know, it's fun to watch. 
It's good to see him have that. And then another thing I got to talk about is Cantor's defense. I know we were talking about Middleton dominating. Middleton dominated every single person that guarded him during that game. And I know once in the first half and then once like down the stretch after the Knicks had like tied it, he got Cantor to switch onto him. And then he just did the thing where he just pretends like he's about to drive. So Cantor's giving him a bunch of space because he knows he's going to get beat off the dribble. And just pulled up for three and he just knocked it down. Milton just hit every single three the entire yeah. game. Seven for eight from three like, on the game. I feel like that was a theme for this week. It felt like everyone was hitting every three that they took, uh, which is tough. Yeah, and I Tom Tom had the the money point that we'll have we'll have to go follow going forward. And again, he mentioned it in his article that Fizdale is now messing with rotations and stuff, but Man, in, in those fourth quarters, I mean, he's going to have to make a decision between Burke, Cantor, and maybe even Hardaway if the defense isn't there. Because, I mean, you, you have two or three of those guys on the court. You're, you're roasted on, an, on a pick and roll. Yeah, man, it's yeah. tough because you got Burke at the point of attack as the point guard, and then you've got Cantor as your last line of defense protecting the rim. Those are really – two of your most important defensive positions. And, uh, yeah, Burke and Cantor, that's not a great formula for, for stopping anybody. Yeah, and I think we'll get into it about him. Fizz changing up the starting lineup to deal with that. But it seems like you're mentioning now it's more of a closing issue than it is a starting lineup issue. Although their starting lineup has struggled out of the gate, except for out of the in the Warriors game when he switched it up. Hey, I believe it. <laughs> Let's uh let's I just want to close off a quick uh, couple loose ends there. So so Trey Burke this season, I know last year he was the second best mid-range shooter in the league, but so far just through uh the first was it six games now, Burke has been 6 of 22 from the mid-range for 27%, one of the worst, only better than like Markel Fultz so far this season. So Yikes. Uh, number 1 pick, so it has not been pretty for Trey Burke there. And then I mentioned the, the free throw stuff earlier. The Knicks are second to last in the league in free throw attempt rate. Just the Orlando Magic get to the line less frequently. So it's that is, I mean, that's just so important to be able to uh, generate easy points that way that that's just something that we're going to have to watch going forward. Just being aggressive, getting to the 10, and, uh, and trying to get some foul calls. Frank with no free throws in his first four games, but he's been to the stripe his past two games. So, we're building on it. We're building on it. Let's we're we're delving deep into the players. Let's 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 jump to the Miami Heat game, uh, and we could talk about some of the action there. I I've got a quick burn. It's tough to burn on a loser, and that you could That's put that be most of the season. You could put that on my tombstone. But um, <laughs> let's <laughs> glad glad I got at least Greggy with that. Greg Greggy, give me a three two one. Do it in a spooky voice or in Spanish or something. Um, three, two, one, burn. <laughs> That's good, Greg. <laughs> the Knicks continue their road trip to, to face Coach Fizdale's old friend, Coach Spo, Eric Spolstra and his Miami Heat. And the Heat was on all night in the streets till the break of dawn, 76 to 38. Why are those numbers important? That is the combined score from the second and third quarters of this one, 76 to 38, and that ain't it. Every Heat starter ends up in double digits while only one Knicks starter does. Woof! 
Damian Dotson, the highlight for the Knicks again. 20-point effort in the loss. Heat 110, Knicks 87. And I, I think we're at the point where we, let's, let's get some positivity flowing. Damian Dotson, I, I'm between Ken and Tom right now because he's been Ken's boy. Tom wrote the pretty article. Let's get Tommy going first. We'll get some facts out there. Then Kenny will hit him with some heart. Thomas. Yeah, Jake, so you mentioned I, I wrote this article for the B-Ball Index about Damian Dotson's emergence so far after not playing the first two games. He got a, a DNP coach's decision the first two games of the season. Uh, since then, he's been averaging, I want to say, around 30 minutes per game. Yeah, he's playing nearly 30 minutes per game, and he's averaging 14 points and seven rebounds, which is pretty impressive, the seven rebounds number. I actually didn't even really look into that too much because I was focusing more on his shooting. He's hitting 40.7% on about seven three-point attempts per game, which is a great number of vol- great uh, amount of volume there. And he's he's hitting in a variety of ways. They're mostly on the, the catch and shoots. He's not doing so well off the dribble, pulling up. He, he had a couple against the Warriors pulling up uh, off his own dribble, but mostly he's been doing the catch and shoot thing. But what I was most encouraged by was he just like the the variety in the way he's doing the catch and shoots. It's, he's not just standing still on the perimeter and letting guards penetrate and kick it to him. He's not relying on other people to generate this offense. He's coming off screens and hitting. He's he's just he's been doing a lot of work in transition, sprinting down the court and getting to the three point line, getting to his spots before the defense is set. He's been doing it off dribble handoffs. That kind of shot versatility is huge and just you're able to to generate so much more uh, offense and just create so much more havoc for for the defense when you're able to to hit those types of shots. It's like a I compare it to like a JJ Redick or Danny Green style of player who just they strike so much fear into defenders because they have to. It's not just you know like a Trevor Ariza type standing around waiting for someone to create. It's it's just much more valuable to have someone who can who can run off screens and, and just do it in different ways. Ken, you've, you've been the leader of the fan club, and I think I've even heard Danny Green comparisons to Damian Dotson from you. So you, I, I think your, your Damian Dotson love is getting some reward this week. Your Frank love, not so much. But we'll keep it Dame Dot for now. Roll. For, first off, Frank had a good game against the Warriors, so let's not, let's not act like he's dead. Uh, and this. second off, Second off, I agree with you that uh, Tom can't just throw out Danny Green uh, comparisons and act like I didn't say that, you know, a year and a half ago. But Tom's absolutely right on everything else. Uh, He's Damian Dotson is showing absolutely no fear out there. He is getting himself into spots to succeed. And when he gets the ball, he is pulling the trigger and making it at a good clip. Um, he's also playing solid defense, which is uh, a good thing for this team that doesn't have a lot of guys who can both play offense and defense. And uh, if Dotson can prove to be a guy, the guy that he's been over the past week, and you know, he I think he was a third or fourth leading scorer. Let me pull up the stat. Uh, he was a second leading scorer this week in the in the the three games this week behind Tim Hardaway Jr. So he averaged fifteen point three points per game, and he played. Decent defense. Uh, I know, you know, I think Coach Fizz trusts him as a guy who can, you know, guard some wings a little bit, and he's a bigger athletic guy. And he had him at um, guarding Durant at the end of the game because no one could guard Durant, and obviously that didn't go too well. But it just shows some trust in him on the defensive end. 
And, you know, I think the biggest thing for us is that Damian Dotson isn't Ron Baker. And um, after Ron Baker ran into Noah Vonley's elbow and went out and, uh, you know, kind of missed that game and played poorly in the Miami Heat game, Dotson's pretty much cemented himself in the lineup and Baker's fallen a little bit out, out of favor. So that that's something to watch to see if uh, if that continues. And if the way that Damian's playing, I don't see any reason that why it won't. Yeah, and it's it's underrated how little Dotson is like Ron Baker. Um, <laughs> but uh, just a couple more numbers I wanted to, to throw out there on Dotson. He's kind of changed his shot diet a little bit. Last year he shot a lot of mid-rangers. Um, so last year about t- over a quarter of his shots came from the mid-range, 27%. So, so far this year, only 17% of his shots are coming from mid-range. And, uh, and then he's just shooting – like those mid-rangers are turning into threes, and that's what you want. He's shooting 57% of his shots from three this year, up from about 43% last year. And, uh, and on those catch-and-shoot attempts I was talking about, he's hitting 45% on about five catch-and-shoot threes per game. So he's, uh, he's going to be hugely valuable. Like Kenny mentioned, he's, got, he's one of the only two-way players on, like, on the perimeter. Everyone else is, is is a one-way guy. You've got Tim Hardaway Jr., Mario Hazonia, Alonzo Trier, Trey Burke. They're all offense. Frank, for now, Ron Baker, Lance Thomas, they're all defense. And we don't really know about Kevin Knox at this point. But, I mean, if Dotson can be a, a consistent two-way player, I mean, especially having gotten him in the second round, that's that's hugely valuable going forward. We all agree. That Dotson was, was the... One of two highlights from the game. Uh, if we got something in Dotson who could contribute this year and next year, it can actually be a rotation guy. Then that's that's huge. Second highlight of the game, Mitchell Robinson had a good dunk. I like that. Everything else was bad. <laughs> that's Honestly, what you've been telling Mitchell Robinson to do. The, the Miami Heat could have thrown an alley-oop every single play of that game, and it would have worked every time. And they they yeah. started they started doing it at the end. That's what I was about to say. Whiteside just kind of destroyed the Knicks because he was bigger than everyone, and it's like that's kind of what we want um, out of Mitchell Robinson. So that's a that's something to look for. Is like maybe he be, can become a more versatile Hassan Whiteside and just do that and dominate dominate games like Whiteside, who has been bad for this. But Whiteside went for twenty two and fourteen on eight of 15 shooting. So tough. The one, one thing about Mitchell Robinson is he just looks awkward out there. He just doesn't know what to do with his arms when he's not trying to block a shot. Greg, that's, that's honestly a good point. He, Mitchell Robinson doesn't have a good standstill look. Yeah. He has the awkward big man standstill look, which is a little scary. Uh, he looks athletic when he starts going and Hey, I, I, I don't know how the season plays out for him. I know Hassan Whiteside is a joke in a lot of NBA circles. He looked he looked really good against the Knicks, and they were doing the whole he's gotten in better shape stuff. Tom, do you want to poo-poo on him or give him some love? Well, I was just going to say uh, Cantor will make opposing big men look good. That's, True. I mean, Cantor was pretty horrible. He only grabbed five rebounds in his minutes. That's pretty unlike him. He only played 18, but uh, yeah. he, just, he didn't seem like himself. He wasn't all that aggressive. Um, I, yeah, it, it's kind of hard. He was still starting at that point. So, I mean, he, after the Warriors game, he sounded absolutely dejected. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, n- no excuse really for, for that poor play. 
Yeah, he he gave an effort that deserved a benching segue. Um, and I, I just I think I need to say this again because the the Knicks won the first the Knicks were up in the first quarter of this game, 27 to 16. A really strong first quarter. And then in the second and third quarters, they were outscored 76 to 38, which that's unacceptable isn't isn't a good enough word. I, I wish I had a better Halloween pun lined up. That's graveyard stuff. Is that a Halloween pun? I don't think so. But. So the one thing I'll say about that first quarter is that it, it was an ugly 27-16 lead. The Knicks were get, just getting like offensive rebound after offensive rebound. They were jacking up horrible shots. I know Trier just like shot one and just missed it so badly that he got it back and made a layup. So that, that was a microcosm of what was happening. Everything bounced the right way for a quarter. And then, yeah. it, then it bounced exactly where it should have bounced for the remainder of the game. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take an ugly 27-16 20, quarter over whatever happened the next two quarters. Um, let's, let's do the third and final game of the week, Golden State. Tom, do something crazy, and then I'll just start screaming after you. Three. Two, one, Everyone, Everyone's going full Dracula, huh? The defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors facing the 2020 NBA champion Knicks, question mark? The Garden would be jumping in a back-and-forth matchup, including former teammates and members of the Russell Westbrook fan club, the bench Enos Cantor and Kevin Durant jawing at each other. I like that. Let's jump to the end of the third quarter. The Knicks are up three. Que es esto? Ideos Neil, future Nick, Kevin Durant would have a fourth quarter. Puts up a 25 burger and could not be stopped. Literally shooting ev- over everyone. Put on an absolute clinic. Golden State pulls away. 41 from Durant, 29 from Chef Curry with the shot. Boy. 24 from THJ, and 17 from the French Prince. Well, hey, but the Knicks fall 128 to 100 and go winless on the week. In a week where I I think we had some two-and-one projections from the boys. We won't dive into that now. Greggy, as mentioned, you were at this game. Give give me a little sugar. This was a good one. This is a good one to watch live. Um the Michigan men were, were doing good work. Tim, Timmy and uh, Trey Burke were balling for a little while. Frank was looking more aggressive. I mean, fortunately for him, nobody guards him when, when he's at the three-point line, so he gets some open looks, and he was able to knock him down. Career high, or tied his career high with three three-pointers, I think. And he, he was in the teens after the first half, so that was that was really what you wanted to see from Frank. And uh, they, they really changed up the starting lineup. And I know – Fizz said he was thinking about it, but he he went all in. Who, who was I don't even remember who started. Frank, not Cantor, Mitchell <laughs> Robinson, Von Dotson, Lay, Von Lay, and Hardaway Jr. Yes. So to recap, Frank, Dotson, Hardaway, Von Lay, Mitchell Robinson, the two center starting lineup. You don't see that very often, but we needed to change it up when we did, and it worked for three quarters. Yeah. Kenny, you were, you were in the building as well, right? I was in the building. Uh, like Greg said, exciting game to be at. And I think this was one of those sports bucket list things. And Greg, were, Greg and I were texting each other like, should we go to this? It's in New York. It's not that far away. 
and eventually we went and I'm happy we did just because, you know, it's, it's crazy to see, you know, this golden state warriors team and this, the, the next team playing with them was, was exciting for, for three quarters. And then even in the fourth quarter, seeing Durant just kind of do what he did was pretty amazing. And like, just from the, the fan in the stands perspective, I think just watching Durant go off was while it was bad for our team, it was just amazing. And uh, there was one point where like Durant was going off to the point where he would, he took a three from the logo and two guys contested it. And the second guy who contested it just left Steph Curry to contest Kevin Durant taking a shot at the logo. And the ball went right back to Steph Curry, possibly the best shooter of all time for a wide open three. And it's like, this guy's really must be going off if people are leaving Steph Curry wide open for threes. And I'll say the one thing about being at a game like that when when someone's going off on the other team is maybe not vocally, but in your head, you're rooting for it. Like, I I know even in the first half, I know Steph Curry hit a couple threes in a row and then he jacked jacked up another and you were like, uh, is that going to go in? What do you miss? But then Durant, you're just like, okay. And once they're up 20, you're just like, okay, let's just get 40, Durant. Let's see this. Yeah, and I think people are going to say this is un-Nick fan-like, but when you see Cantor John at Durant, you're kind of like, <laughs> I, I'm kind of rooting for KD to just burn him at this point. I know that sounds awful, but like, Cantor, this is the game that you basically got benched. You can't play defense. And you're John in KD's face, and he goes for 41? That's not a great look. And to add to that, like, you can't – you can't jot the guy that we want to come here next year. Like that's what he did to LeBron. And then he tried to recruit LeBron. And that's a bad look. Come on, Cantor. You're better than that. Although Cantor probably won't be on the team next year. So Tommy, maybe he tie, can do whatever he wants. Tie, tie it together with the, the new lineup. And if you want to poo poo on Cantor too, we always encourage that. I did actually. That's why I, I <laughs> jump in uh, just because I don't know that Cantor is better than that. Uh, <laughs> like the thing is he is one of the emotional leaders of this team. And you saw, well, you saw after the game that he was just, I said before, he was just so sad. He looked like he was about to cry. Uh, the fact that he wasn't starting and that, that uh, Fizdale had asked him to lead the second unit, it did not seem like he really was on board with that, with that plan. I didn't know if this, the, the front court lineup change was specifically for this Warriors game. Like maybe they just thought Cantor couldn't keep up with this Warriors team. So, they wanted to play him fewer minutes. Maybe he'll be back in the starting lineup. Do you guys have you guys read anything, or do you do you know whether we should expect to see him return to the starting lineup at any point? I haven't seen much. I know that Fizdale said that he thinks that five games is a good enough stretch to see to see what you got. So it, it sounded like he was going to test out this new lineup for at least five more games or four more games. So I did want to point out I was watching Canner on the offensive end. And he made a few nice plays, but it, it seemed like the Warriors just started double-teaming him every time he touched the ball. And it wasn't because they were, like, really worried that he was going to dominate them. They just didn't trust him to make the right play out of a double-team, like when he's harassed. And he threw some just god-awful passes. He, I know he had three turnovers, but so, it felt like more. I remember he, like, threw it way over someone's head on a pretty simple pass, a skip mm-hmm. pass. It just it was not pretty from him, and that's the that's one of his biggest issues is that when he does get doubled, like that that's kind of his value. If he can force a double team because he's so much bigger than someone and he's dominating on them on the block, he needs to be able to make a pass out, out of that double team. 
And he has never really shown the ability to do that consistently. And that's just a, a reason why he's not as valuable as he could be. And it's crazy. The, he he ends up going 10 and 10 on the week, which is a little below his expectations, but not to the point it felt like with – and I, I put getting benched in quotation marks because the, the Warriors would be a tough matchup either way. But he didn't have a lot of minutes in these games. Um, and he still comes down with it, but it, it just doesn't feel like he had the impact that a 10 and 10 used to have. Is that asinine? No, I think it's fair. I mean, 10 and 10 is different these days with how many possessions there are. Like the pace is so high this year. You're seeing scores in like the 130s pretty routinely. So yeah, like t- 10 rebounds, just uh, it ain't what it used to be. Nice. I like that. And I, there's one thing we have, have to mention, especially if we were going to poo-poo him before. Frankie Smokes! Frankie Smokes goes 6 for 11 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. Uh, Steph Curry kind of calls him a racial slur by trying to pronounce his name after the game. Um, but we've, we've got a 17-point box score, so I, I, I hate to keep, keep feeding Kenny, but Ken, get, give, your boy, give your boy some more love. Yeah, Frank Frank had himself a, a solid game. He guarded Steph Curry fairly well for in the first half and I know there was uh there was a couple light foul calls on against him and I was like, "Come on, let the guy play some defense." Um, but I think the biggest thing was him offensively and there there was one move in particular where he he was being guard, guarded by Klay Thompson who was a very well thought of defender and he had a very quick crossover and then drove to the hoop and then i think he either did a spin move or a pull up i don't know which he he had two good moves to the to the hoop and then hit the shot and i was like that's a very good move if he could do that regularly like that would be great and uh i I don't know if it was you or time it was mentioned he just needs to drive more and that quick crossover like really really showed something to me and i'm just hoping to see a little more of that and then like greg said uh he's getting his opportunities at the three and no one's really guarding him and I, I guess I don't know if it's ball movement or just kind of how they're they're, you know, scouting him. Uh, but he's hitting threes like this season. I think he's thirty-seven and a half percent on about four attempts. So like that's pretty good for six uh, for thirteen this past weekend. And that's what I'm saying. Like the guy, the guy could play some basketball, and that's and if he can grow some confidence in his shot, because I think this. This game was the first time that I saw him make two consecutive threes. And like, there's been a couple opportunities where he could really you know, build a lot of confidence. He makes a, his first three and then he gets an open three, the next possession and like just misses it. But this, this game, he hit a three and then like a little while went by, but then he, he had like a pull up three or something like that. And I haven't gone back and watched the highlights. So this is all from memory from uh, watching live, but like it was like a confident shot and it went in. So that's, that's what we're hoping for from uh, from Frank. Yeah, and I think uh, our our buddy John Boy had had a really good question that I, I I brought up with you guys, which was the what what do you look for in Frankie Smokes' box scores this year? Because Jimmy's kind of newer to the Knicks, we we might have a nice Ron Baker question about him from him in a little bit. But it's what what are we actually looking for from Frank this year? And I. End of the day for me, I think it's three point percentage and assists. Which, hey, he's he's starting to shoot it a little bit, and we'll we'll start seeing how his role offensively continues to develop within Coach Fisdale's offense. Because he's uh, he, Ron Baker was getting point guard minutes to start the year. I I hope we can look back and laugh at that. I think now we should segue to our award segment. 
Uh, and Greggy Poon, I wanted you batting leadoff this week. And it, if any Halloween pun would be good, I, I saw you doing the not, – not to give away too much to the fans, but I, I saw you going pure Space Jam with the costume this freakend. I did. I was. Uh, I didn't have – I don't have any Halloween puns set up. Okay. That's fine. But uh, my award will go to – it'll be the – I'll, I'll stick with what I was doing last week, which is uh, what, what's going on right now. What's going on right now, Ward? I'll give it to David Fisdale, you know? Ooh. So that, that change in the starting lineup was insane. I mean, I was okay. all for it. I don't care. But it was just like Cantor. Him pulling Cantor out, I think, was actually crazy. I, I, I think I, I kind of disagree with that, especially having seen what Mitchell Robinson did in the prior games. Like what you saw against the Heat, he did one cool dunk, and Fizz was like, "I think he should start based on that." Uh, then Trey Burke sitting out, coming off the bench, that makes sense. That seems like that that he'll never really be a starting point guard in this league, but it was good. Um, and then the one thing is, you don't really notice it as much when you're at the game, but I've read a lot of people saying that they strongly disagreed with Fizdale's substitutions in that fourth quarter of the Warriors game. And maybe true. Uh, it seemed to people believed that the starting line chain worked really well, which it did because they were winning by three after after three quarters, and those guys were, were doing well for themselves. And then he, he got away from it. And then in, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, he was rolling with his with the original guys, Cantor, Lance, and whoever. And uh, the Warriors just started putting in work. And then once he got back to – putting in the his original starters it was too late but in reality i don't think it mattered who was in the game in that fourth quarter because what happened was was inevitable but i'll, I'll be a, a man of the people and i'll say what, what are you up to fizzdale yeah greg that's what you said at the end there is important to me because how you can't say that with the warriors right like at you 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 could have put anyone in. They they could have brought in Patrick Chewing. They could they could have brought in Larry Johnson. And I think this Warriors team still goes on a run there. Um, and I I, I think I want to save this episode or this full conversation for another week or another episode once we see a little more body of work. But I the the Knicks best five is a really interesting conversation. Uh, we we've had it a little bit in our chat this week. Um, I, I think I want to see a little bit more Knicks basketball before we do it. Cause I know I, I like uh, Thomas and I had a, a good conversation in the chat earlier this week because <laughs> Damian Dotson looks great. He's also only done this for a couple weeks. So like if Damian Dotson continues to play well, yeah, awesome. Give me that. But if he doesn't, then do you give a nod to someone like Trey Burke? Cause at least, you know, he can bring it on offense. So I, I think I want to table that a little bit. Um, Ken or Tom, do you, do you guys have anything to add about uh, young coach Fizz? Just real quick. I, one interesting thing about uh, that, that Greg mentioned with uh, Cantor being replaced by, by Mitchell Robinson is just it's about instilling like a strong culture of, of making players earn it. And I know that's been one thing that's been kind of criticized over there in Philadelphia with having Markel Fultz start over J.J. Redick. It's just like in no world would you say that Fultz has earned that starting spot. And that's what you worry about with Mitchell Robinson. Like Cantor, he's been dominant at times on the offensive end despite his defensive limitations. So if you replaced him in the starting lineup with 
with Noah Vonley at center, you could have some argument there. I mean, Vonley's worked his butt off. So, like, there'd be no question that you could say you'd be able to frame it like Vonley earned that spot. Mitchell Robinson, I don't feel like you can really say that. So, it's just you want to develop these young guys, but you also want to balance that with making guys earn it. And I think it might have been just a little too soon with, with Robinson, in my opinion. And I, I got a question. Did What did you guys think about those fourth quarter substitutions? Because I, I – being at the game, Kenny, I don't know if you even noticed people – people after so, the game, when I read about it, were like, those fourth quarter substitutions were terrible. I mean, I would have wanted Frank in earlier because he was playing pretty well, and by the time he came in, um, they weren't playing well anymore. So, like, that's the only thing I noticed, but again – I'm a Frank guy, so I was looking out for that. No, I, I thought the same thing, Kenny. I mean, Frank only got one shot up in the fourth quarter. He was only he only played five minutes, five and a half minutes in that fourth, um, and he he had it going through the first three quarters. So that I that was one area that I thought was it was kind of a shame that Frank didn't get that opportunity. And by the time he came back in, the game had gotten away from him a little bit. Outside of that, I I'm not really sure what some of the criticisms were. Yeah, and I. I- I, I think you guys have all kind of kind of touched upon it, and something I didn't really think about because when when I initially saw Cantor wasn't starting against Golden State, I was like, "Yeah, okay, I, I guess I get it. The guy can't play defense, no centers, blah blah blah." But yeah, to throw Robinson in Von Lay, I guess I saw it. But I like if you're Mitchell Robinson going into that game, what are you supposed to think? Like I'm the answer against the Warriors? <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I I enjoy the athlete mentality and being confident, but. What? So I don't know. Greg, Greg, I like, I like the award. How about that? Um, Thank you. I'm, as, as you know, I, I, like, I, like, to, I like to do my own dance. I, I'm going to go award number two this week, and I'm going to go with the I just lost the Rookie of the Year award, and it goes to Isozo Alonzo Trier. Where, where was our buddy this week? Um, you stole mine. I was going to talk about it, but go on. You like that, Ken? Um, yeah. Man, 18 minutes per game, 3.3 points, two rebounds, two assists, um, almost two turnovers per game. We uh, we went from this guy lighting up the garden, I mean, literally, <laughs> just, just about a week ago, a week ago, and now, uh, I mean, nothing. He had two points against Golden State, a minus 19. He has... 21 minutes, four points against Los Heat. And then to start the week, 17 minutes, four points against the Bucks. Isozo fell off. And Ken, because I thefted you, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you bark back first. Yeah. So I, if I had given the award, what I would have done was like, hey, guys, you know, this guy that we have on our team who the only thing he is supposed to do is like score. If I told you that he averaged 18 minutes a game, how many? points per game do you think he averaged in the last three games and then you guys would have all guessed something and we're like well the answer is actually 3.3 points per game which is not very many because that's all he does so you know i don't think this is going to be the end for him i think he's going to come back and and have some strong games but it was just uh it was a tough week for him shots weren't falling and he has yet to really master the art of the pass but you know he's got time he's an undrafted rookie so we'll see what happens yeah i, th- I think it's it's going to be very much a, a rookie season for Alonzo Trier. There's going to be games where he could be the go-to option, games where he's not very involved. But this, the Damian Dotson development, DDDD, 
uh, that could really have a big factor on Trier as well. Um, I, I mean, we've talked about sending Ron Baker to the bench or I guess keeping Ron Baker on the bench would be a better term for me. I don't know. I, you, you just, you almost, I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised like his worst shooting performance. He went two for eight against the heat, I believe. So I guess it's almost a good thing. Cause I I'd expect him after two games, not getting a shot up to go in there and just straight gun and maybe have an ugly night, but he didn't do that. So I don't know. I, I, I'd more so just want to talk about the development week to week with how, uh, how excited we were to not mention him for about 45 minutes in this week's podcast. So with that being said, Kenneth, after I thefted you, pass. I, will allow, I will, Oh, hard pass. Quick <laughs> pass the time. I got to think about it. Okay. The, the steel has worked. Thomas. And Jake, you mentioned this guy during your spiel about Trier, and uh, we already talked a lot about, about him a lot. I did write the article on him this week, so it's that's Damian Dotson giving him the man I'm glad I called that guy award. Whoo! It's, you know, like I mentioned, he didn't even get a single minute the first two games of the season. DNP coaches decisions, and he goes from that to being what appears to be an, an integral piece of the rotation going forward. I am super excited about the two-way potential, about the shooting, the the potential for him to be zooming off of screens and kind of like playing that that JJ Redick type of role. Like I, I like watching the Sixers play because they use JJ so creatively to to create space and create offense for others. Like he's kind of Redick is like a de facto. I mean, he's not a point guard, but he generates offense for other players just by running off of screens and creating havoc. And I'd like to see Dotson be able to do the same thing. He's got, I mean, he's got great length. He's he's six six. He's got six nine wingspan. He's got good lift uh, on his jump shot. So I just I just think there's there's a lot of upside to him. And the more I I think about it, the more I'm surprised that he slipped down to the uh, middle of the second round last year. He did play all four years in college, and he he transferred, so he, he had to sit out for a full year. So he was old. He's like four years older than Frank, I believe, and they've played the same amount of time in the NBA. So he's, I could see like teams being a little scared of, of his age, thinking there might be limited um, opportunity for development. But, I mean, he brings a lot to the table that you want on an NBA team and takes very little off the table. So he, uh, he's not a great playmaker. He, doesn't, he can't like pass so well or it, just, it hasn't appeared that way. But like I said, the way, the way Redick – uh, makes plays for others with his off-ball movement. That's what I'm hoping for Dotson. Tom, and I I, I, I normally don't want to set Greggy Poon up for a full slam dunk like this, but it's it's too easy with one of his least favorite players in the NBA. Damian Dotson grabbed boards this week, and in a small it's, – it's kind of all a small sample size with him, but he grabbed 8.3 rebounds per game this week, and, hey, the shooting's going to come and go. If he can play D and grab some boards, unlike your boy, Andrew Wiggins, Greggy, I mean, that's that's an impact. That's how you become this two-way player, and you can play any night and not bring the team down. So I don't know if you want to compliment Dotson or if you want to take a quick jab at Wiggins. I hate Wiggins. <laughs> Too no, no. Wiggins, is, Wiggins just doesn't do anything. He just shoots it. It's impossible to not grab He's, rebounds at his size. I, yeah. I don't get it. Dotson does good work. He he really boards for his size, which is impressive. And uh, 
just a reminder, he had a 30 and 11 or 12 double double last year. So he showed flashes, but like the, the rebounding really is a thing. And I think he can, you know, continue to do that. I don't think it's just kind of a flash in the pan. Yeah, man. And I, again, hopefully this season is building up to whatever draft pick we have in some free agency. And next year there's some true Knicks excitement. It'll be interesting what kind of role he can earn by the end of next season. But man, I, if, if you're a guard that can shoot it a little bit, play some defense and grab some boards in the garden, that's, that's a good way to get the city to love you. Kenny, I, I know you got thefted. What do, what do you got? All right. So I'm going to go with the Oh No, Not Again award. Okay. I'm going to give it to Ron Baker, mm. who had his face smashed open for the second time in two seasons. Uh, last year it was on that famous or infamous Anthony Davis dunk. And uh, Davis just kind of elbowed him in the face. And uh, Ron Baker got called for an, for a foul, which was pretty funny. Not really that funny because it wasn't a foul on Ron Baker at all. And I'm not one to stand up for Ron Baker. And then he was out for a while because I think he broke his nose. And then when he came back, he had to wear the mask. And uh, he did it to himself this time by running into the elbow of his teammate, Noah Von Ley, on a, I think it was a dribble handoff or maybe just running off a screen or something. And, you know, it really set him back because after that, Dotson came in, played really well. Ron Baker didn't play again that game. So he, he went in for one minute, cut his face open, was bleeding all over the place and uh, left that game. Didn't, didn't come back. Went to the Miami game. Played a little bit, didn't play particularly well, and then he didn't play at all in the Warriors game. So it's a tough break for Ron. Um, I know we're hard on him here. He seems like a perfectly fine guy. Tough to see him, uh, you know, kind of smash his face open. Yeah, and I, I know I was thinking about giving Ron Baker the the sit down, be humble award to, to go with our, our theme song nice. by Kendrick because he got the – that DNPCD against the Warriors. So sit I down. Thought our themes, I thought our theme song was I Love You Always Forever. That's the other one. I was thinking about giving Ron Baker that one too, but it would <laughs> be a lie. And that takes us back to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. No, I and I, I think we'll we'll throw it in there. I know we've been talking about it. We, we've been wanting to get the, the John Boy question of the day as he tries to get more in this next season. So maybe we'll insert it here. Hey, Talking Knicks podcast, love you guys. Who's the blonde, number 31, the goofy white blonde kid? Because I feel like I should love him, but I'm watching the game right now, and I hate him so much. Thanks. Bye. Tom, I I think you summarized it best. I want to say it was last week that the things we dislike about Ron Baker are things out of his control. Like he got paid a little too much, like kudos for you, dog. Like I appreciate that. And the fact that Fisdale was playing him as the point guard. And I I guess the other thing that you just have to say on offense, he's, he's horrible. (laughs) Yeah. He can't dribble. (laughs) Like if you watch it, if you watch him dribble, it's for sure. If you watch him dribble, it, it looks like, just a, a, a random guy dribbling. A guy that played high school basketball hasn't played since, and he's just trying to dribble. That feels like a shot at all of us. And, and that, so, no, that's good for all of us. We could all be in the NBA. 
But to answer Jimmy's question, I think he would be a lovable character if his role were just to to come in during garbage time or if it's like a really desperate situation where we need some energy and he comes in for like three minutes and dives on the floor and sets some screens and like bullies somebody who who's like hurting us on the perimeter, then that's fine. Like if you're to you get three to five minutes a game or something doing that. <laughs> but he he gets a lot more than that and his role is way outsized. And I think I think that has something to do with why he's not a beloved character. Yeah, and to go along with what you said, when he's the undrafted rookie, we're like, all right, hey, undrafted rookie on a minimum contract who will only be here one season. I like this guy. Then he gets that $8 million deal with the player option, as Jake mentioned, and then we're like, you watch him last year and you're like, wow, this guy's going to be on the team next year too. That's That's unfortunate. And then now at least you know that he'll be gone. I mean, I assume he'll be gone now that his dad, Phil Jackson, isn't <laughs> the president. Did you guys know that Ron Baker was thrown out the first pitch at a baseball game and he he just had catch – he played catch with Phil Jackson to prepare for it? I did not know that. There's, there's that a explains true story. a lot. And, now, and then he got a two-year deal. God, I, I would do that. There's a um, true story. Tom just got me all amped up for for Ron Baker in a defensive Brian Scalabrini type role. It's the very obscure reference, but it's the Jason Beisch role. Jeez. For, for you guys. So Jason Beisch is a guy who went to our high school and then played for UConn. And there was one time when Jim Calhoun was mad at every one of the starters and Jason Beisch was a walk-on that didn't play at all. And they were playing like a ranked opponent or something. He just threw Jason Beich in for like three minutes to just run around and like hit people. So that's that's what we want from Ron Baker. It's not his fault. He's not that good. And I think there's another part of the reason that I kind of have gravitated away from him is kind of an overcorrection because of how much people on Reddit seem to love him and for no explicable reason. Because his stats are bad and like the eye test is bad. And they just go to intangibles, which, you know, I don't know what his intangibles are. Like, he does try hard. I'll give him that. But that doesn't make him a better player. He's still not very good. Man, I am still reeling from that story Greg just told us about him playing catch with Phil Jackson. Yes, I just texted you a screenshot of the story from the Daily News so that you know that it is a true story. Yeah, that's... Like, that's about as scary of a Halloween theme you could even, like, hit me with right now that was that's horrifying yeah all the ghosts and goblins what a scary sight um we should also also mention to to jimmy that he started one game in probably (laughs) his life and it was the game that you were at in denver yeah because his family was there oh ken why'd you remind me that now now we gotta move on well let's anyone have any i i i guess Anything quick around the horn about someone we missed? I, I guess the only thing that jumped out to me, he was the guy I gave my award to last week, and he played okay. Uh, no Noah Vonley mentions really at all. Lance Thomas doesn't really get any mentions, even though he's playing 19 minutes, doing literally the same exact thing Lance Thomas has been doing for what feels like 40 years now. <laughs> I, I guess that's it, unless, unless well, player-wise, do, do you guys have anything that, that you think needs to be mentioned before we talk about the games next week? 
I'll mention that Cornette got in his first game this week, so good for him. He did. He 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 played in he played in two games, averaging 0.5 assists per game. So point Cornette. We'll we'll start getting that trending on on the the internet machine. This week, boys, we got four. Uh, home versus Crooklyn, home versus the Pacers, and then at Dallas, at Washington. So going to be interesting. We'll, we, we've already played Brooklyn this year. We'll see how that looks in our house. Uh, we're going to get Indy, Oladipo. That should be a really interesting matchup for Frank. I, I haven't fully processed that yet, but that, that seems like that could be a lot of fun or pretty scary. And then again, Dallas should be fun too. I, 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 I would love Frank to, to make, uh, what's his name, Smith Jr. on Dallas have, have a pretty bad game shooting. So all I'm looking at is Frank's defense. What, we'll, we'll go around the horn. Give me a quick prediction and what you're looking for this week in these games. Greggy Poon. I think I got to go one and three since I was, I was so ambitious last week because Tom convinced me to be. Um, you got to hope we beat the, beat the Nets at home. Mavericks seem to be doing pretty well for themselves. Warriors are in sh- – or Washington Wizards are in shambles. So, hopefully, even if they lose the Nets, they could steal one somewhere in there. But I'll be looking for this starting lineup, see see what they can do. I know they hung with the Warriors for, for a good long, good amount of time. Let's see what they could do against some other teams. Thomas, what, what are you looking for? What, what do you got prediction-wise? Greg mentioned last week we both went two, two and one. Mm. That, was our, that was our prediction. That, that did not age well. No, kind of embarrassed by that, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm still going to go on the more optimistic side, depending how you look at it. And I think that that the Knicks will finish two and two this week with uh, with a, a home Brooklyn win, and then one of Dallas or Washington. Greg mentioned Washington being in shambles. That five games in, and they're already just you know a part of a divided locker room. They're calling guys out for selfishness and that just seems like a miserable place to be right now and Dallas is young Doncic has looked good from what I've seen and it's just from highlights and box scores but I mean that team doesn't seem too scary so and, and Dennis Smith Jr. has been struggling uh pretty mightily with his with his shot selection with his with his efficiency so um I could definitely see Neil Aquina making life pretty miserable for him so yeah home, home win versus Brooklyn I think Indy's going to be a loss and then one of Dallas or Washington. Tom, you, you just got me excited. I I I don't want to say I erased Donkich Donkich from my mind, but I think we're gonna see Frank on Dennis Smith Jr. and on Donchis, probably, which are two very unique matchups that I'm I'm interested to see both of those. Kenny Poon, predictions, what what to watch for? Predictions. Uh I I'm gonna go. Stick with Greg. I'm going to go with one and three. Uh, I'm going to hope we either win the Nets game or the Dallas game. Basically a coin flip, so I'm not going to bet on winning both of them. Uh, Things I'm excited to watch, two things, and you guys touched on one of them, which is uh, I'm excited to see Doncic, uh, see what he's about. I haven't really watched him at all, so that'll be a good one. Jalen Brunson also on the the Mavericks Villanova guy, so uh, it'll be good to see him too. Second thing I'm, I'm excited to see Mitchell Robinson versus Morris, because if you remember the preseason, Mitchell Robinson got in a scuffle with, uh, I believe it's Markeith Morris, and then Morris got ejected. So I'm interested to see what happens there when uh, when they go play the Warriors. I like that a lot, Kenny. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is 
interesting for me. I same t- same mindset as you, Tom. I I think they they're really going to go all in to win this Brooklyn game. Game one in the Garden. You're on a little losing streak now, and I I think it's an important. And this is a really weird thing to juggle, and I, I don't think you could write a write an essay on it. But you know, the Knicks are going to lose a lot of games this year. But I think you want to avoid an ugly losing streak and things like that to build up some of these young guys' confidence. So I, I, you'd really like to see them take care of Brooklyn at home. I see Fizdale rolling out his best lineups and trying for that. And then, like you said. You got another home game versus Indy. Maybe you make something happen there if Oladipo can have an off night. And then Dallas and Washington, two couple road teams that, that, don't, that don't have it right now. Um, so I'm looking for them to go two and two. And I, I guess I'm just watching to see how this whole lineup, song and dance, develops. Um, you know, Damian Dotson played the most minutes last week. We all would have lost that bet. Does that does that continue to trend? And then if you're someone like Tim Hardaway and you're seeing Damian Dotson's getting more minutes than you because he can rebound and, and play a little defense, that uh, that uh that's just going to be an interesting dynamic. Um, so anyone for closing thoughts? Anything, any spooky ghost stories or spooky Nick stories besides the Ron Baker and Phil Jackson playing catch thing? Going once, going twice. Tom's thinking about it. No, I was I mean, trying to. I was trying to think of some Halloween pun here. I was going to say, uh, I think we need to wrap this podcast up before it turns into a pumpkin. Oh no! I think that, that's a Cinderella thing. The pumpkin is all right. Whatever. Um, so what I was going to bring up, I thought that was going mummy, right? It was a wrap this up. It was a Cinderella thing, but then the pumpkin is like a like a jack o' lantern situation. So. Um, Nice jack o' lantern, jackass. You really, you really got to connect the dots there. <laughs> connect, connect the dot sins there. Ooh, they Greg got it. That's it. That's A lot it. of thinkers. We're, we, so we, we, we I, I want to close it. <laughs> Hit it on one. Again, we went to the game, uh, and there were, you might have seen it on Twitter because I think uh, Nick's film school mentioned it. But the national anthem and the halftime halftime show was Ashanti. And the reason that Nick's Film School mentioned it is because uh, apparently Kevin Durant is a big fan of Ashanti, or he was like four years ago when he tweeted a bunch of stuff about it. Ashanti lost a step, in wow. my opinion, based on based on the uh, halftime performance that she gave. And like, I mean, I think I think she just came out with an album, but like, she was mostly not even singing and just kind of like dancing while her music played, and it just you know. She she was at the top of the game once, and it seems like she fell off. And just to I add, don't know if Craig I can add to that. Ashanti was mostly just singing choruses of popular songs back in the day, because because she was like the featured artist on like a Ja Rule song or a Fat Joe song. So she was just out there singing the chorus, and the the actual song was not being sung. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a bad concert. And I, I hate to go full, full <laughs> I, 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 I hate to go full full circle here and totally off the Knicks wagon. Although it does bring in a New York City guy. Did you guys hear about uh, the? Well, so from Ashanti to Ja Rule to Fifty Cent. Did you guys hear yeah. what Fifty Cent did to to keep the yeah. beef going? So petty. <laughs> bought so bought two hundred seats in the front of the Ja Rule concert. To make it look empty, which 
That's uh, Ain't That America for you and me, baby. Ain't That America something to see, baby. You see that? I mean, I can just go on and on. Now I'm singing Little Dicky. No, um, I, I, I got to wrap it, guys. I, I know I blew it at the end there, but if, if you're listening to this point, Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, the listens have actually been really good, so we appreciate that if you're tuning in. And I think we're going to be doing a T-shirt giveaway if, if, you, leave, if you leave a review this week. So we'll, we'll be tweeting about it, but if you leave us the five-star review, you're following t- at Talkin Nick's Pod, and you're subscribing to the Instagram, we'll, uh, we'll, you'll be in the running for us to hook it up with you. So we'll be tweeting about that. Uh, keep an eye up, but yeah, if you guys could leave a review that, that really helps out us out and yeah. Yeah. Thank, thanks for tuning in. Check out, like I said, at talking Nick's pod, we're, we're trying to get some good articles, some good tweets out there. So we appreciate it. Let's go. Nick's. Yeah,